Hello there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man. Thanks so much for checking out this, the first of our Tough Enough Series 2 review. It's a little bit of a side venture and a side series, and we're doing it the way it needs to be done, as per the request of Al Snow, former member of Head Cheese and tag partner Steve Blackman. So, you know we gotta do what the man says. I don't want no alien on my ass. Hey, this episode is brought to you entirely by our backers over at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast unlike many other wrestling podcasts we are 100,000 million percent fan and listener supported all of it is done through patreon.com slash a podcast you can of course become a backer and contribute towards the show getting made but hey you will also get access to a whole boatload of content for your eyes and your ears you've got yourself over 50 episodes of the smackdown crawl you've got yourself all of the gamesmanship video series you're talking about full video episodes with myself adam and billy and of course as well you do have the new cards side series which is also debuted hey you've got the bibliotech if you like the bob holly book report that dropped over christmas the rock says double bill or the journey into darkness with kane there's a whole bunch more over on patreon we are currently about to get into the second part of mayor kane which has been an absolute rip-roaring ride so far get access to all of that and of course as well ten dollar backers will get access to the q a episodes twenty dollar backers will get access to all of the commentary tracks and and there's a change coming with the commentary tracks. They will soon no longer be available on Selfie.com towards the end of the month of February. So if you want to get yourself those commentary tracks, the best way and only way to do it currently is at patreon.com forward slash podcast. But for now, settle in, whistle past the graveyard as we get some tombstones ready. It's time for Tough Enough Season 2. Tough Enough! We're back, baby. It's season two. As per Al Snow's request, and we're going to do it the way it needs to be done. Hello, everyone. Once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Mann, saddling up through the second season of MTV and WWE's ultimately ill-fated collaboration in the reality genre by my cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First to my left... Adam, the Maven Bibolo. Hello. <laughs> the Maven. The Maven. Well, if there's one thing that I am passionate about... <laughs> It's inflicting pain on the Maven. It's Maven! <laughs> Pride the Maven nevermore. Hey, Sam, man. Got your kids. We went out to a ball game. He's having a great time. Tell me all about you. Why he respects you as a man. I love his hair. I love his shorts. I, just, I love the whole gosh damn ball. <laughs> and to my right, the toughest man on the enough planet, Billy Keeble. Hello. You are very excited. You, you confided in me. Last night you said the most fun you've ever had podcasting was this this little ditty right here. Yeah, Tough Enough, yeah, absolutely. Why was Tough Enough Season 1 such a fun ride for you? So fun that we're now sidestepping in 1997 to go parallel in mm. 2002. <laughs> it was just so ludicrous and the fact that it was so ill thought out mm. the first season. that it just I had no idea what was going to happen episode to episode. We'd have something crazy, we'd have something scary, like Christian Chris trying to drown uh, Nydia. Yeah. You know, and we'd have like we'd have something completely different every episode. It's so funny to think that a WWE and MTV show is where we probably see the reality of wrestling the harshest in mm. like we've done you know, nearly a hundred episodes of this show and I think the times we've been most concerned it feels like for people's well being has been on Tough Enough. Adam, some memories of the first season. Why are we back for round two? Exactly like Billy said, it's because it's kind of refreshing to see a reality show that hasn't got 
control over what happens like mm. normally everything is so manufactured and predetermined that you know something could go wrong and it's fine we've got another route out of it or whatever with tough enough season one it was like oh we're gonna chuck them all in there and train them what could go wrong yeah and every week it was like the show had like crashed into some other massive obstacle like i mean i think we were talking about the first season like it's quite ramshackle and it's a train wreck but i don't mean to take it away it is an excellent television show yeah. oh it was brilliant watching compelling stuff like yeah really good but make no mistake as a reality show it was bad and it didn't really know what it was doing and that's what made it so compelling i think did you think at the end of the first season and i should say folks if you're listening to this and you've not checked out our first kind of side series on tough enough we're going to be making constant reference to it throughout and Mm. spoilers throughout so we're assuming that everyone's up to date with us and has watched all of season one yeah but with season two, as we know at the outset that maybe WWE weren't happy with a number of outcomes, particularly the injuries, maybe how certain things were portrayed. We have always heard the likes of Chris Jericho and Triple H and some of those were very upset about how the business was portrayed or mm-hmm. exposed, dare we say. How do you think that they're going to react for the second season? Are there any provisos you would think that would be knocked around the old boardroom in Stamford to say, right, we're doing it again? But not like last time. We gotta have some fucking safety here or some shit. I imagine talent like Triple H and Jericho will have made sure that they're not coming back this time and they're not gonna get roped into anything like this. <laughs> so, why, why birth for all yeah. established talents? Yeah. Going in, I would assume they would have a higher benchmark for the kind of athleticism they need on the show because of all the injuries and all the people that tapping out last year. Is it safe to say that the majority of the people who took part last year had, like, no. I was going to say no wrestling training, obviously, but like no tr- no transferable skills by and large, bar one or two or three people. No, a lot of them just like either didn't have any of the associated skills you need for wrestling, or they quite simply, Kevin, they weren't tough enough. I yeah. see. <laughs> so in the year since they won Tough Enough, does anyone know how Maven and Nydia got on with their golden statues? Billy, I don't know if you were watching at this point... No, I wasn't. Did you think from the the first season that these two were going to have a, a fruitful or successful career? No, <laughs> because because you just know, like, because I knew I I had never heard of Nydia mm. before we watched Tough Enough. I and I had heard of Maven as literally the only thing of worth he did was eliminate the Undertaker from a Royal Rumble mm-hmm. match. What a dropkick, though! And that <laughs> yeah. that was it. That's Maven's career. And then I know that you know he sold off his trophy and you know doesn't like to talk about it when he's bouncing in new york and so adam uh do you have any memories or recollections of how the tough enough season one winners did genuinely apart from what billy just said nope (laughs) literally i remember the elimination in the royal rumble so we had like i think we mentioned during season three like maven did show up on tv with nidia in his corner to get squashed by taz a couple of times Mm -hmm. which led a lot of people to think right they're all going to go into developmental that'll be it for for a good long while now and nidia did stay in developmental until around the summer thereabouts of 2002 where she got paired up with jamie noble she had a trailer trash gimmick did the trailer trash gimmick and the idea was of course on smackdown at the time you know you had Corey Wilson, Don Marie, Stacey Keebler, a lot of, you know, it was very much an eye candy era for women, but Nidia was thrown in. Even though Nidia was a beautiful woman in her own respect, she was thrown in. She didn't have that look that they did. She didn't have, like, the big implants. She wasn't, you know, the the Playboy model. Supermodel kind of thing. So they often used her as a character to be, like, kind of, oh, Nidia. You know, like, during the Playboy crossover that they did, they had Nidia come out to, like, try and ruin it. Or, you know, during a broad panties match, she might come out 
out and like have her pants come off, but she'd be wearing like silly underpants or something. One time they had her wear SpongeBob underpants, and it's like very. So she ended up kind of having the worst of both ends because obviously, you know, if you're Tori Wilson or whatever, your clothes are being taken off every other week on TV, but you're going to get that sweet Playboy money. Yeah. Nydia really felt like she was kind of more often than not kind of embarrassed a little bit that sounds like they gave her all the crap that ivory probably said no to yeah like, they want to have a stick in the mud woman on the roster and nydia clearly being so new was just gonna have to go put up with anything like they did things with nydia though like that were really shocking because they had the whole thing with with her and jamie nobles that they were meant to be this really like over the top grotesque couple who were like all, all over each other all the time and they just make out constantly in the ring and all that but they did things where, like, J.B. Noble would be like, Hey, Michael Cole, boy! You've been looking at my girl, boy! What's the matter, boy? You don't like my girl? Kiss my girl, boy! And then and then Nydia would what? just... Michael Cole be like, I don't know that! And Nydia would just, like, force herself on Michael Cole and kiss him. And Taz would be like, Whoa! Goozle! <laughs> the fuck? They did a thing, I think it was like SummerSlam 2002, where literally they had like five random men lined up, and Jamie Noble's like, Now Nidia's gonna kiss them all! And she just like, wear the face off all these guys. Like, these you know. are guys from the crowd. Just, like, I'm not sure they're plants. Like. I would hope they're plants. The, the, the same level of people who were there to get a WCW shirt signed by Bob Holly at oh. WWF New York. So yeah, she had a less than an illustrious career. She was there for maybe two or three years. And then she was kind of gone. As far as I know, she's she's not really involved in, in wrestling anymore. And Maven, he was put into the spotlight pretty much straight away mm. because he had some fundamentals. Brackets, dropkick, yeah. voice, <laughs> look, look. The look, yeah. The charisma. He was put in a feud for the hardcore belts. You know, they had a... They had the big thing when the first draft came up that Maven won the hardcore belt and the complete fluke and Vince was like, you know, he, he drafted him to SmackDown and then he lost the belt and he's like, oh, I've you know, wasted my draft pick on this rookie and all this jazz. He had a match with Goldust at WrestleMania 18. Cool. Featuring a golden shovel. Oh, two coats. Yeah. Nice. Uh, unfortunately, WWF was not able to shovel their way out of the shit in 2002. <laughs> which brings us to Tough Enough Season 2. Episodes 1 to 3, we're starting off now. Nidia and Maven are going to welcome us to episode 1 of season 2 of Tough Enough. You ever wonder what it's like to be a WWF superstar? Now there's Tough Enough 2. 13 finalists, 9 weeks of the most intense training with some of the most intense trainers in our business. And at the end, two contracts with the World Wrestling Federation. Now the only question that remains, who is Tough Enough? So, we got 5,000 tapes this time around. Now, were you expecting there to be a higher caliber of entry because people saw how hard it was last season? Or a lower caliber of entry because more people knew about it? That one, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's the exact same process you get with something like an X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. They see the caliber of people who win and they're that deluded that they think that they're on the same level. Yep. So we're getting the same sort of people that we got last year. But more. I'm not sure how it works in, in, in X Factor and all that, but do, does X Factor and Britain's Got Talent, do they have this audition tape kind of buffer to weed out the really really bad rejects almost always yeah and then they then there's they have to audition for the producers of the show then the producers of the show will determine you're good or you're really bad you're gonna go through to 
perform on the stage in front of the actual judges for TV. So all those people who come out who are like comedically bad, they at that point have been riding high, gotten through several yeah. stages, being told that they're probably yeah. great. This is the heartbreaking thing. Fuck um, me. Because I heard about this on a podcast. Scott Ackman's partner used to do that for a living. She used to be a producer. How do you sleep at night? She had to quit because it got to the point where apparently you just have to look at people that are obviously terrible and you're only putting them on the show to make fun of them and you have to look them in the eye and be like, that was great. Yeah, Simon's going to love it. You, you should come back next week to be on the actual thing. Like, mm. And apparently it's just soul destroying. And that's definitely what they've done here with these lot. Like, well, that's what Simon Cowell does, doesn't he, to maintain is he will destroy your soul and that's how he absorbs it. And the last season, if you saw X Factor celebrities, it didn't work properly because he tried to do it to Martin Bashir and now his eyes have gone all weird. <laughs> <laughs> They got 5,000 tapes. Yeah. Also, we've only got Maven and Nydia here. No Triple H, no China, no Y2J. Like, already it's a step down. Yeah, Nydia and Maven had kind of a little bit of a... Okay, it's, it's not what you think it is, guys, okay? Yeah. yeah. It, it, I'm sure it'll be fun, but... <sighs> they look exhausted. I like as well, I swear that Nydia says, Are you tough enough too? Which like, is like the unforgiven too by Metallica. <laughs> Are you unforgiven too? <laughs> Into Sandman again. <laughs> any highlights from anyone here from the uh, the tape montage we got? Don't you want to touch me, Vince? Uh... Get a lad who brains himself some nunchucks. <laughs> completely like gives himself a concussion I wanted to see the lizard debut on yeah, Smackdown yeah it looks like an absolute meth head <laughs> nothing that stood out to me I just I was gutted there wasn't any returns from last year I really thought we'd see like the evil custodian get another bite yeah. of the cherry this time mm. like yeah, it feels like there was not much in terms of continuity in the, in the tape process this time around so we're not WWF New York why I don't really know I was WWF New York being transformed at this point into, what, into the, world? the world. Yeah, was that happening already? I mean, this would have been around the time it became the world mm. thereabouts. What a, what a shit fucking name, the I, world. This, this is new to me. I don't know about. Oh, the, the yeah, rebrand. Got a rebrand to the world. You know, I'm pretty sure it's so they can write off some of them couple of hundred million that they lost yeah. off against tax. It was like. still a WWF restaurant, but they didn't have WWF over the sign anymore, did they? It was just the world. Such like a, a fucking write off. Yeah. Like, no, no, we're the world. Right? Wrestling Federation, the world, I don't know, that could be anyone's, I don't know. I feel like they probably got given a bigger budget this time from MTV. After the success of the first season, mm. they probably got a bit more money. Because it was it, it was much more successful than either party thought it would mm. be. Yeah, it really took off the first series. So I reckon, and The Shine has worn off WWF New York at this point. Like, I think all the fans know at this point in time, that is yeah. not a the special place. Gone. Yeah. And is it worth saying as well that whereabouts we are in 2002? Uh, you know, I know we're the Attitude Era podcast and all, but 2002 too. A bit of that shine's coming off that WWF. In like, general, yeah, that's right. You know, there's some notable creative and financial kind of downturn moments during this period of time. I wonder if you guys thought it's because WWF New York was ultimately an incredibly inappropriate venue to have hundreds of people standing outside and waiting. At least in Las Vegas, it'll be yeah. warm. Yeah. Also, yeah, having all those people outside, isn't WWF New York in like Times Square? Yeah. Like, that's going to be a big fucking mess of people outside. Like, just pop across to Guy Fieri's and get a trash can full of nachos and be grand like you know easy times so we're in las vegas at 5 45 a.m in the morning mm. hello <laughs> a guy quit his job to be here oh he's gonna do all right isn't he mm. fucking hell 
Like, do you think there's people that they ring up and like, would you quit your job to, to oh, be here? Because we want to have at least five confirmed. Yeah. To, yeah. Some hearts to break. At least there's no girl travelling from Australia and selling a car this time. Oh my god, she's still there. Like, yeah. yeah. You know? Couldn't wait. She starts like, in New York, like, waiting for season two's auditions to kick off. Like, where is everyone? <laughs> <laughs> if only I had a car to drive to Las Vegas. <laughs> Well, we had a little bit of a callback to the first season here, but yeah. not in the way that you'd think. Are you talking about uh, the brother of Josh here? Fucking hell. Rudy. Rudy Lomberg. Rudy. Rudy Pooh, no good brother. Like So he is Josh Matthews' older brother. Older brother. And he totally looks like an older brother, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. What is it about this guy? He rubbed me the wrong goddamn way. Well, he just straight up, straight up, just knocks Josh. Yeah. Like just knocks all of Josh's accomplishments from the previous season. And like, whilst Josh didn't win, Josh did really well. You say nothing of his accomplishments in the XWF. Yeah. Oh. In your face. <laughs> and then he just says, you know, it's it sucks that even though it was, he, he says it's both. It was both their dreams to be wrestlers. It was more my dream. And he stole my dream. Oh my god. So bitter. Now, uh, part of me was thinking, is this guy just like Josh? He's a total wrestling nerd. And therefore he knows that a good little story for the cameras is... You stole my dream. Like, you know. I thought Josh's parents would come out and be like, Rudy is alive! (laughs) Your brother is alive! Sorry, they didn't care. So they'd be like, Rudy's alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's your brother's alive. I, yeah. I think what really did it for him is they've probably asked him how many times he masturbates in a day and his number was lower than Josh's, yeah. so it wasn't gonna get there. Who needs you? I he mean had the determination. He's bigger, he's jacking mm. off less, he's you know, there's, there's you know, he's not giving himself away like that. You know, mm. Josh has decreased in mass as a result mm. of his of his particular habit. So we got some producers from MTV and a bit of a random ass lineup of big executives and low level talent for the WWF side. Got Chavo Guerrero, JR, Big John Gaboric, and in a very rare sighting, Kevin Dunn. He's back. He's fucking back, baby. We've also got Al Snow. Yeah. Ivory. Al has removed his goatee. Yeah, he's looking good. I will say it looks like it's grown back by the end of this first day. No, he's looking sexy. We've got Al. Ivory. Mm. And the big shot, Bob Holly. How do you like him now? Oh, I got so scared as soon as I saw yeah. him show up. Like, Cause straight away, he's got a thousand, like, a thousand yard stare. Yep, exactly. And, and even though this isn't the season with Matt Capitelli and that whole incident. Yeah, I thought that was season three with Bob Holly. I didn't realize Bob he's big here. shot's here right now. Yeah, like. Scared me. <laughs> I'm not happy to see this man. Now, Adam, obviously, you spent a bit of time on Patreon going. Super crazy in depth. I think we spent nearly seven or eight hours talking about Bob Holly's lifetimes and autobiography. What was Bob's mindset going into Tough Enough? Because I think a lot of people just assumed he hated everything about it. He hated all the people there and he was just there to be a bully. Is that true from his perspective? From what I recall, he had an attitude of, I don't like these little piss ants. And he wanted to teach them lessons and break them into the business. As far as I recall, he's not like someone that like Triple H where he hates the concept necessarily. Mm. I think he just wanted to make sure that it was a very unpleasant journey for the lads that he was involved with. I, I think to a degree, though, that's that's potentially bravado on his part because mm. it, it, we've I know we've only watched the first three episodes at this point, but Bob is fairly nice. Oh, geez, don't fucking speak to... Yeah. Right no, down, no, no, this no, is no, when no, Billy said that. No, no, first three episodes of this, Bob mm. is Bob is okay. Mm, okay by his standards, yes. I think. 
by the standards of a coach or a judge on a reality TV show program, I still think he's a miserable old boy. <laughs> I mean, saying that we expected worse only is a yes. reflection of the fact that we have spent several years of our life excruciatingly yeah. going over this yeah. man's life and career. <laughs> so we got some contestants in the ring. It's it's much like last time. This is a double episode to start us off. The casting special. They're brought out in the ring. We've got some basic kind of endurance tests like sandbags jumping over, running the ropes and all that. Push-ups and promos, basically. Fireman Jake is in there doing drills and he looks like a, a level of athlete that we didn't see in the previous yeah, season. Yeah, straight up. And like, you know, he's a, he's a fireman, so we know he's got the stamina you know, and he's jacked as fuck. Terrible haircut, but by the by, he's got a look. He's got a creator wrestler look. Yeah. He's gotten that hair several times. And you're wondering what his hair is like. Imagine if Michael Cole's goatee migrated to his head and grew exponentially. Yeah. And was blonde. Anytime they go to do a promo on the ropes, they all get given out to. Yeah. Mm. What Disrespectful. the fuck? It, why? Uh, you've not earned the right. There's something about a wrestler going up, putting his arms or putting her arms on the ropes and cutting a promo that way. Uh, I don't know what it is. Heyman used to do it in ECW. He just put his arms up on the ropes, and like it, it kind of makes feels like they're in your front room or something it's like that. It's more like they're talking to you. It's that yeah. kind of casualness. So we got some breathlessness, some nervousness, a little bit of crying. Someone who broke their back. Yeah. Mm. Fuck it. There's a lot of tragic stories straight away. Yeah. Is this WWE wanting this or is this MTV? You reckon? Hundred percent MTV. They love the tears. WWE, I don't think care. Yeah. About that stuff. Did you catch the... There's a 19-year-old girl. Very, very young. She's been wrestling since the age of six, apparently. She's always been into wrestling. There's like, some scoliosis right there, folks. Serious serious athlete. She's won six national championships. And, like, this is in her blood. She's been doing it since she was a child. I just thought it was, like, dad was training her all day. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. She's been, like... Built for wrestling. She's made to be in the industry. Was well, like Stu had a secret family or anything like that. <laughs> didn't you, like, you know? But she's there and she's like explained to them how much this means. And she's crying. And she's like, because obviously this is a huge moment for her. And Bob just looks at her and goes, why are you crying right now? <laughs> I'm the big shot. Who cares? <laughs> they go straight for the jugular. Yeah. Like, immediately. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if we've gotten to the point where it's like, right, I feel like we can have a little hand on the shoulder, come to Jesus moment, as Steve Austin would say. Like, you've got your man Rob who comes in here. Big lad from Chi-Town. He's mm -hmm. got a real nice story talking about, you know, wanting to be there for his family. His mom raised, as he said, three big boys all on her own. On the streets because they were homeless at Ta one point. Yeah, like... talking about growing up hungry and all that. Now, as we know from, you know, at WWE, multiple times, if someone's got a story like that, it doesn't mean a whole, a whole hell of a lot to them. I mean, we mentioned in season four, Ahmed Johnson having incredibly, like, tragic and... You know, I would not say relatable, but like emotive backstory yeah. that people would, would want to know, you'd think. This is not in WWE's interest. No. But what is in MTV's interest is immediately Al just going, hmm, what's the saddest you've ever been then? Like, you're, what's the worst thing that ever mm. happened? You mentioned going hungry. What's the hungriest you've ever oh. been? What's the worst thing your mom had to do to keep you boys going? Like, you're just oh. real. It got mean. Really mean. Yeah. Too mean. Cosmo comes out and he's not got a very good body for this. Mm. Uh, did you hear how they described his figure? It's something like a, a dog that had just given birth, like a new mother dog or something. Yeah, JR is here, folks, and he's fierce. Yeah, yeah. he's here to body shame the fuck out of everyone. JR like. is like is the baddie like 
judge on the reality show. He is pissed off to be there. Yeah. He is cutting right through. He doesn't care if you're fucking sad or not. He's there to critique you. And I guess, you know, for JR at this point, it's second nature, isn't it? He's assessing talent yeah. constantly. Yeah, well, he's kind of bewildered because he knows what the casting call has been for. Yeah. And then they've got, you know, all of these people who've turned up who have no stamina, no athletic, not an athletic bone in their body. And he's kind of bewildered. It's like, we asked for a specific yeah. thing. How can these people think that that's what we've asked for? So do you think this is MTV just casting goofs and then they're hoping? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I this don't is... think WWF was watching these tapes. No, MTV <laughs> are riling up WWF. That's what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. This is something we saw in season one as well, where I get the feeling that all the trainers and the people from WWF side that are involved in this... They genuinely feel like the point of this is to find two people that can be wrestling stars yeah. and make them the winner, and we're going to get some talent out of it. It's an investment. To of, them, yeah. they are seriously looking for talent, and I don't think they realise that MTV are in it for a completely different reason. And yeah, <laughs> like, I think you would know, say what you will. I think a lot of people are very, very quick to write off the careers of Maven and Nidia and all that, but the reality of it is this: is that they got TV out of it. They mm. got, they, you know, it got over. You know, they they had big moments with with these. Characters characters who were literally plucked out of thin air they managed to have these moments and this little bit of juice from it this was solely manufactured from this reality show so it's it's not what i you know the realms of possibility that yeah. you know looking here hey we can get a star you know mm. i don't think either of the winners last year are the star that they wanted because they're talking maven they were talking to you know, kurt angle the rock mm. so maybe i don't know if they think they're going to get a top top player still it's hard to say we get introduced to Grey, who is a Mormon. Yeah, he's a soft-spoken monster. He's gigantic, he, this fella. I am I've had this guy pegged straight away. Sorry, explain to you what you mean pegged. Like he was gonna get at least get through. Yeah, I mean Mormonism—that's a good gimmick that's not been used in wrestling yeah. yet. Wasn't there a gigantic Mormon in, in was it ECW or something? Was there a giant? No, you're thinking of the uh, a roadkill, yeah. Amish roadkill. That's right. Amish, different from Mormon. Although in 2K14 yep. that you and I had, we did have not but one but several Mormon characters because I had just seen the Book of Mormon. So I had a character called Elder Stevens, who's kind of a wiry Stephen Richards type. But anytime he beat one of our creator characters, yep. they then had to don, you know, like it right to censor. He'd edit the character the, and the, change the shirt the, and tie, the tie, you know, and then they'd have their catchphrase. And remember, tomorrow, and they throw the mic down, the crowd beat, is a latter day, you know. Church of Latter day Saints. <laughs> <laughs> good gimmick so yeah they're, they're there and he's you know he's a mormon so obviously he doesn't believe in sex before marriage and then jared's like wankers come <laughs> wankers come it's, it's fucking little kevin dunn that's like why, why don't you when you have sex what's the what's wrong with that what's up with that I, he, he right he's such a little of them, gremlin i hate him he is only here to shit on everybody that's all he fucking does is just the camera turns to dunn and he's like oh, i don't think she was very good looking like he's just a little prick what is the fucking deal with kevin why is he so dislikable when the main thing we have to go on is honestly like jim Cornette yeah. hating him which in fairness isn't that much of a damning thing these days yeah. he hates you know? everyone man he's just irrational hatred of Kevin Dunn really seems justified and I'm basing this on just seeing him a little bit and going oh I don't like him yeah. <laughs> and is it because he's just very cushing very full of himself very sure of himself he's very nasty he's a millionaire he's, he's very critical mm, nearly a billionaire and from everything we've heard about him it's just that he's a guy that didn't deserve the position he got himself into am I right in thinking that Kevin Dunn only got the job because of his dad was one of Vince Senior's guys 
There like, is a connection there. Yeah. And all I, I, this is mostly pieced together from Jim Cornette rants on TikTok, folks. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but as far as I know, either Kevin Dunn or Kevin Dunn's dad saved the tapes, you know, the, the WWF tapes from either a burning building, a burning car, whatever it was. They were buried in the ground. He put the master lock on them and he ripped them out of the ground. <laughs> whatever the fuck it was, you know. That's apparently it. So job for life, you know, that type of mm-hmm. a thing. Now, uh, Joe, who was watching this with me, was trying to figure out who this guy was and how he was so powerful. Her best recollection of what she reckon happens is that someone else was this Kevin Dunn character who very bravely tried to save the tapes. He perished in a fire. And then this weaselly sword came in and just like found yeah. him. Like, I'm Kevin Dunn. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> He's a, he's a little creep, this guy. Yeah. Like So, yeah, he's just uh, kind of walked backwards into this. Goofy guy comes out, does a goofy dance. Oh, br- the, the Danimal, are you talking the about? The Danimal. Yeah. I thought it was Danibal, like cannibal. Danibal! That's what I heard, it was Danibal. You're thinking of Danibal duress, I think. <laughs> so, what the fuck is this guy thinking? He's going to become a big star by pretending... He's literally walking around going, I'm Kurt Angle! Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Stone Cold 316, Monday Night Raw. He's just like, I'm a wrestling fan. Fucking rubbish. Have you ever heard there was like, uh, from that Creative Has Nothing For You podcast back in the day, where they talked about kind of ideas that writers had pitched and all that. And one of the ideas that the writers had pitched was that there's going to be this tag, uh, kind of a, a, a wrestler that had a manager, and the manager was this like young kid who was like a super wrestling fan, who's just complete knowledge of everything. And he had the, the older brother who was this big monster who kind of liked wrestling Sora, but wasn't this obsessive fan. And the idea was that the kid was living vicariously. That's an amazing it's idea. It's great. Really cool. Kind of like Jesse and Festus in a weird way, I guess, mm, but yeah. to have the kind of wrestling fan in it. But of course, once you're doing gimmicks about wrestling fandom or whatever, that's Mark stuff. So yeah, you can't, you yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. that, brother. For you know? Josh's older, lamer, crapper brother appears. Ivory's quite underwhelmed with him and most of the people, it seems, so far. She says they've not seen anyone special. She's pretty gutted. Like. I mean, Josh's bro is like, He's not even in good shape. There's some no. people here who show up not in good shape. Mm. You know, and you think, man, you, you're going to know about this in advance, surely. It's not going to drop out of the blue, right? This literally is. It's that annoying thing of, like, the brother that takes it so seriously and it's his main passion in life. And then his other brother's like, oh, I can do that as well. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. If, if he can do it, and he's a little chump, so obviously I can do it. And now, he doesn't even try here. Mm, he's just here to do it for the sake of it. He's like. an entitled older brother, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, absolutely you know? is. I bet he farts on Josh every time he sees him, even though he's probably like 50 now, like a fucking freak. <laughs> so this is series is turned into a who's who of wrestling. Yes. And I didn't think I'd be seeing the fucking big man himself, the former stutterer, Matt Morgan, the blueprint. JR's eyes light up as soon as he sees big Matt Morgan. He does, because obviously JR is in love with his fiance Pam, and he doesn't like the size of Roy here. Like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> this big burly bastard. And JR's just, you know, playing, you know, at the candy jar, and he's like, my candy, you know, and he has to walk away, yeah. you know. So, Matt Morgan, is this uh, someone you recognise in the world of wrestling? Well, when they just referred to him as Matt, I was just like, oh, just some guy called Matt. Mm. But when I was getting the list of our, our competitors, after we get past this episode, I was like, Matt Morgan. I was like, he works for TNA. 
So that's how I recognise Matt Morgan. Yeah, so Matt Morgan, former TNA and WWE superstar, uh, former pegged for greatness by Jim Cornette, who thought he was the absolute like blueprint of what you should make a wrestler to be if you build him from the ground up. And his DNA was sent into space as well. Oh, that fella. The blueprint Matt Morgan. I knew I remembered his name from somewhere. Who, bless him, looks like a million dollars... And he's one of the most underwhelming big man wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. He is the absolute categorical definition of a frail whale. Oh. Check out previous episodes, we'll give you a definition on that one. <laughs> this guy couldn't handle the Pizza Hut buffet, is what I'm saying, folks. <laughs> he whiffs the kip-up. Ooh, badly as well. I mean, everyone's trying to do kip-ups, like, mm-hmm. you know. But as soon as he does the kip-up, Kevin Dunn is in with some helpful advice. How did it feel to fail? All right. It's night time now. And we're introduced to the White Trash Princess. Bloody hell. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. She really reminded me of Melrose from Glow, this uh, this particular customer. <laughs> so? Just that she was like here clearly to live vicariously as a party girl through the medium of professional yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Like, this was a means to an end, and she looked like she really needed to take a shit as well. So, uh, yeah. She's fighty. Immediately, I was like, yeah, she is 100% going through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She looked like she was going to fight Kevin Dunn. Chavo Guerrero is uh, intrigued by her. How come your parents hate you? Uh, okay. She's like, I don't talk to my parents anymore. I do what I want. Like, you know, <laughs> she's, she's like every fucking Dr. Phil. Cast me outside. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. That? Another kip-up failure and another. We get a little bit of a montage here. And then we're introduced to another stud, someone who's totally got the look. It's Shad. It's Shad. So I only just found out now from you guys, this is Shad Gaspard of Crime Time. It's yeah. Shad Shad, yeah. I He's changed so much physically since mm. then, because he, he's a much bigger boy in, mm. uh, in Crime Time. Crime Time. He talks here about how, like, being a tall, muscular black guy, people are quite scared of me, and I want to sort of defy expectations and stereotypes. <laughs> Crime time. Have all the stereotypes in the world. Fucking Have horrible. you met JTG? <laughs> ah, crime time. The only act that WWE needed to put out a press release beforehand to say, it's like when SNL make fun of black people. It's okay, like, you know. Are so, you serious? Yeah, they're like, it's, a, it's, it's making fun of, like, stereotypes. Like, they would do an SNL. It's fine. It's okay. If you've got to fucking preempt it like that, just pull the plug, for fuck's sake. I'm still <laughs> desperate to know what dirt they had that, like, had them on the roster for so long. Yeah, well, well, Shad was Shad was let go pretty summarily. Like Shad, yeah. I remember they had crime time were together for ages. I remember they worked with Y2J and Big Show, and it felt like they were finally going to get a big push. You mean Jericho? Sorry, Jericho. Yeah, we'll break the walls. Big shut down. <laughs> <laughs> big Show in. Big Show in my mind. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, no one knows what the Big Show effect is, you know. (laughs) But after that, they spit up crime time. Shad was going to give him this, like, killer heel gimmick. He's going to be the big fucking badass, you know, no more dancing, no more messing around. He killed JTG in a match, you know. It's like, oh, Shad means business. And then he was just gone. That was it. The end of Shad's. He had, like, one match where he was boots and tights. And then JTG was there for, like, I don't know, 6,000 years or something. Yeah. It's in the Hall of Fame now as well. Mm. I'm pretty sure he's the executive producer of SmackDown. I remember how big a day it was online 
when they actually let JTG go yeah. because like, there were websites dedicated to how I was long he's say. been on the com- <laughs> been in the company without being on TV. There's just a thing about JTG, right? If AEW was around, then he'd still be there. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 they would like, not let know. him go. Hey, there's a bit of a coup there. He wants to sign up JTG. So I can't believe this is Shad. He is looks he looks like a million dollars here. Mm-hmm. God, he couldn't only be like in fucking twenty or twenty one here. He's so very young, fucking young. Seems like a really nice kid as well. Yeah. And again, well spoken. Looks like he's got like I think you don't want to look like look for someone who's got the star power straight away. You want a lump of clay who you can mold. Exactly. You know, and if it's already molded into a six pack to start off with, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, the very tall lady who follows Shad afterwards similarly looks like they've got the look and everything ready to go. Annie, yeah, she's giving me big um, Paulina vibes from last season. The, yeah. the, the tall, blonde, really friendly lady. A little like. bit of Charlotte Flair in there as yeah. well, just in terms of like, because she's a powerlifting champion. Yeah. You know, I think if you have, as, as much as it hates wrestling fans to admit it, if you're starting from scratch, having an athletic background is an advantage. Yeah, it definitely is. You know, you look at Charlotte, you look at Bianca Belair, there's lots of people who've, you look at Ron Simmons, you know, there's plenty of people who've come in who have started off with a outside sport background and it has helped them massively. Yeah, you need the conditioning. Yeah, exactly. Big John and JR are flagging. It's nighttime now and these boys have not been used to working this long and hard for a while. Honestly, this is actually like the hardest I've seen some of these people work ever because mm-hmm. they've been sat at these desks for what must be like 14, 15 yeah. hours at yeah. this point now. They're like... not even playing D&D and they're sat down this long. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs to go get Big John a moist toilet. Mm. Ivory decides as it's getting late in the day to do a Taz and go stir the pot a little bit. Mm. Yes. I was a bit dis- disappointed, surprised, I guess, by Ivory's role in, in this so far. Mm. I mean, I love Ivory. She's one of my all-time faves. But she was literally going to go, you need to make a big fucking ass out of yourself. Yeah. Fucking take your dick out. Act like a complete idiot. Yeah. Say whatever the fuck you want. Go out there and get sick. Make a name for yourselves, kids. It's like, oh, and it's know. very clear as soon as they do that, she's not told the rest of the judges that she's told them to do that. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she said that, it's literally because someone has clearly said, the energy here is fucking yep. dead. Flagging. It is so flagging. I was expecting her to be mean, because that's Ivory, but she is. she's not mean here. She's just... Odd. Yeah. Like, she's just weird. Doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk is out next. He's a fucking beast. He does some push-ups that are like Rob Van Dam selling a pile driver. Yeah. These are. He's fucking bouncing up and down. It was yeah. scary. He's he's got um is it's ADD or ADHD, but he's ADD. not. He doesn't take medication because he's handling it. And you can see a little spark on people's eyes. Like we can probably get this guy to do anything we were fucking mm. want. And lo and behold, they do, don't yeah. they? What yeah. what's the, the 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 challenge that they lay out to Hawk here? You should go and jump in that pool over there. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. Go now, as fast as you can. Yeah, yeah go, okay. Yeah. Go now. Pour this hot coffee on yourself. <laughs> Drink this soap. <laughs> <laughs> funny guy, Hawk. You're my funny guy. He, he does it, and he comes back in there. And he sprints back to the ring and he's like I did it he's like Hawk yeah do it again okay, okay. <laughs> and he goes off again he's like you fucking pass out like <laughs> you know cracking beers together like hey we got him to jump in the pool like an idiot I felt real bad for him yeah you know but this is like this is going beyond the meanness of something like X Factor or whatnot because they're literally saying, you know, go jump in a fucking pool. Do like, this, yeah. You know, it is outside the parameters of being a WWE superstar. Mm. You're not Scott Hall being thrown in to sober up and spring break and nitro. Legit. You know, don't be throwing people in the pool. Oh, here comes Pretty Boy. 
This is bizarre. This was fucking tragic. Mm. I was like, oh, the only way I could figure out that they'd done this was that MTV picked this real hunk-looking guy and then covertly fed, fed him butter and pastry mm. over the last couple of weeks. Oh, this Yeah! yeah. He's now, ripped yeah. in his photos mm. and he's ripped in his video, which can't have been made that long ago unless he's used it the last year's Maybe, time. He's yeah. got an opposite of the picture of Dorian Gray going on yeah. here. The more handsome his picture gets, the more out of shape the guy ends Ooh. up being. So like, he's there, like his, his literal video package is like, I'm the sexiest man in the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> he's talking about how he's like legit a model. Yeah, and like, it, it, you know what? Great great gimmick to do and I'll be honest during the late you know the attitude era into that early ruthless aggression time those pretty boy characters were very few and far between because everyone had to be a tough badass cool bad guy and I mm. like there being you know kind of a Rick the Model Martel type yeah. little Sylvain Grenier action here yeah mm. I'm all about that but uh, pretty boy's not in good shape and they're like what the fuck happened to you they're so mean to him about it. Like, watch this. It's like he didn't realize. Yeah. Like, he didn't have a look in the mirror or something. Because yeah. he's crushed by it. He looks devastated. Like, he was hoping that they just wouldn't notice. Like, and like it's not like he's put on a bit away. It's like he looks like... Substantially, like... Yeah. It looks like if they were doing an ad for something, like, not a, an ad for not a dating app that was using dating apps to be, like, the benchmark to show what it's like to be disappointed and why you want to get this new product... They'd be like, aren't you sick of like going on a dating app, for instance, and getting this and then actually getting this? That's mm. why you want to get the new Ford Focus, you know? And it feels like he's been he's been trapped, like he's really a comedic over the top, and it's so sad. Yeah. He's like just devastated, and they're like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, um, I have my birthday and Halloween, I guess. I'm like, huh. Why don't you jump up and down and jiggle around for yeah. us then, you know? It's, mm. uh... I will say, though, that does give me a good idea. If I was ever going to be a wrestler, I would love to be a catfish. Where, like, all my promo promotional images, I'm like this fucking... My face photoshopped onto a powerhouse body or whatever. With the time trial with all the devastating manoeuvres. Yeah, and, and like... I come out wearing a robe and reveal my actual body. <laughs> Everyone's <just> like, eh? <laughs> John Morrison! Here he yeah. is! Fucking hell, star-studded cast. He's got it all right here. He has got the winning attitude. Literally, my immediate reaction to just seeing his face is like, oh, John Morrison, he's absolutely going to win then. Like, the fact that he came out and he looked like such a winner straight, I swear they're going like, to hit his entrance. He's like, Bring! Do you listen, this ain't no memories. Just give him a championship. Like, I'll be, I'll be going with me. I want to introduce you to a young Miz. The line from John Morrison that made me think he is just the type of like weird positive mindset that will excel at wrestling where he's like you know people get happy when they do new accomplishments when I learn a new physical skill that makes my day like the other day I learned how to do a twisting backflip and I was the happiest I've been in weeks it's like wow this guy's gonna go far he has got the right fucking attitude that kind of Daniel Bryan mentality the love of getting better just like. the love of it exactly and yeah I'm sure that uh, he'll go on to have a long and fruitful career in the World Wrestling Federation Ivory is very very inspired by the fact that he is solid as a rock and doesn't jiggle at all yeah and they're like do a spin a rooney and he's like what's what, that what? you don't watch the product you don't know who Booker T is and he's like oh okay and he does a much much, much the best mu the best spin a rooney ever like you can cut to Booker T doing a big reaction face after that <laughs> one like Linda Miles is next and she again rock solid physique she's got a great look She's a former basketball player, I yes. think. Was she WNBA? 
don't didn't catch that, but she played on some sort of professional level of basketball. She she like takes it serious. Like I think out of all the contestants so far, she has the most legitimate like real world credentials, so to speak. Definitely. And while we do learn later on that she goes on to become a bit of a Rudy Poo, at this point in time, she's just being serious. Like she's an athlete. She's a basketball player. She's here to prove how good she is as a competitor. Kevin Dunn's just like, oh, next time we see you, you better improve your attitude. This is something that comes throughout these episodes, but people's reaction to Linda is a bit jarring. Sometimes it's justified. Sometimes they're just, like, being mean. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, but all I can say is that people struggle to handle this confident, athletic woman. Mm -hmm. uh, And Mm. And she is black as well. We've got to mention that as well. I think that is worth mentioning. She's a very confident... Self-assured black woman. I got some serious Big Brother vibes off this, if you know what I mean. But uh, more on that in a bit. We get introduced to Pete, who's shredded as fuck, but also self-conscious. So Kevin Dunn's like, you gotta fuck anyone if you're in the house. Mm. He's like, probably not, sir. I'm a little bit... um... I'm not very good with women. I used to I used to be overweight, so I, I haven't built up that confidence. Yeah. We meet Jackie, who was there last season yes. and didn't get in. And I had a real... I got really off-put by Ivory oh. here because Jackie's there and, you know, she's obviously not impressing Ivory that much. So Ivory tells her to jump in the pool. Oh, this yeah. was so weird. And let's just say about Jackie, right? Not only does she have a look, she has the look they want. Yes. This is WWE at the moment, folks, who employ Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson, Terry Runnels, Trish Stratus. Okay, yeah. They have lots of blonde women who are beautiful, and that's who they want on their show. Jackie Gata is literally the exact look. I'm not saying it's a bad look. I'm just saying that Jackie, she is. she looks like a superstar. Yeah, so... Ivory tells her to jump in the pool. Which is such bullshit. She does not need to do that. There's an awkward silence. And then Jackie says, I um, I kind of don't want to be pushed and pulled around like that. And Ivory just goes, all right, we're done here. So fucking yeah. Hard pull into her face, a lip quiver, a teary eye, and she jumps in the pool. Yeah. And I hated Ivory. For that moment, that's then. the WWF. You got to, you got to be an entertainer. If you're not entertaining, like you know, I it really, really put me off Ivory that moment. Yeah, it was, it was really shocking. I, I expected better. I didn't expect better of WWE. I expected this to come out of like Bob Holly or Kevin yeah. Dunn or something like that. Didn't not expect Ivory. Ivory to be doing that. No. Also, Kenny King. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Ring of Honor, TNA, fabulous wrestler. Kenny is fucking. Awesome. Very excited to see him in the is show. He, is he the lad who stayed in the burning building to watch Raw? He sure is. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is commitment. Uh, I, I empathise with him. I once slept through a fire alarm when I was in school as well. So, you know, I, just, I figured it was a very loud alarm clock. A man in his pyjamas comes out and insults Taz and Al Snow. That'll go down well. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to regret that, pal. Someone's going to get put through just so he can get his comeuppance. We then get Jesse... He was very, very small and incredibly sad. Yes. Mum had depression and has had repeated suicide attempts, so she's got life tattooed on her back. But she's been on her own since she was 17, because her mum was presumably in an institution. Mm. What was very, very shocking about that was like... I don't know. I just she was kind of I just out there telling her story. It wasn't like she was doing anything other than just mm. like, why, why are you sad? Yeah, mm. you know, it felt like people were just kind of like they had a little asterisk beside them saying, "This is it. This is someone just to make jump around, and oh, this definitely. is someone just to to 
why are you sad? Definitely. Mm. That, the, the producers, they always... When they do that screening before they get through to the judges, that's the kind of shit they're looking out for. Because mm. you'll notice on any reality show, it's like, hey, isn't it weird how RuPaul just decided to ask the person that hasn't got a dad about their relationship with a dad? That's a bit coincidental, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Like, mm. They always know ahead of time what things to ask. So it's time for the top 25 posting to go up. We had a very wide shot of a lot of people. Not going to lie, old Nerdy McGee over here decided to pause it and see if he could find any of who's who wrestlers. Mm. As of your last season, we found ODB in the crowd as a result mm-hmm, yeah. of that. I think I saw Shelly Martinez, a.k.a. Ariel. Apparently she's there, yes. Yeah, that is her. Uh, I, uh, confirmation there is a li- There is a list of people who were there. Really? Uh, all I knew of was Shelly Martinez was there and apparently Awesome Kong is also yeah. there. Yeah, there. yeah, fucking hell. Mr. Anderson. Mr. What? Mr. Kennedy's there. Ken Kennedy was there. Ken, Ken's there and he, and he didn't get in. Wow. Don't worry, things are looking up for Ken. <laughs> yeah. like, Maybe know? he was like small. You know, before Captain America, he's like, Chris Evans is like really tiny. And then he does steroids. And then he yeah. takes the steroids and gets huge again. And then in Captain America 3, they have the steroid scandal and he becomes a skeleton. Yeah. Right? And then there's a part where Captain America does a backdrop to the Red Skull. And the Red Skull is like, stupid, you dropped me <laughs> on my shoulder. And then Captain America got fired from the Avengers. <laughs> Josh's brother is cut and his inevitable disappointment was fucking delicious. Yeah, it was. Garmon Bunzia! <laughs> Talked all that trash for nothing. Like. I want my big brother suffering. <laughs> I did a little bit of a where are they now on Josh's brother Rudy. He wrestled a little, little bit, like a few matches. Where, where, did, where did he wrestle? On the, on the corner of Know Your Old Boulevard and Jabroni Drive? It doesn't say, because he's got a website. He is a legal marketing expert now, Rudy okay, is. Okay. And he has a website where you go on it and it's about all of his marketing stuff. And there's an About Me section. And it's split into two, where he has like professional career and wrestling career. And at the top of professional career, it's like, this section will be finished soon after I've had my lawyers okay what I can and can't say here. And then you go to the wrestling I section. I he's a legal expert. I know, I know. And the wrestling section, he's like, this section will be completed soon once my wife lets me know what I can and can't say here. <laughs> so it's really vague. It's yeah. just like... I wrestled a little bit, and then I got into marketing. Like, what, is there some dark ECW shit on there I or something know. like that? I have no idea. Having sex with a Perry Saturn action figure or something like that? What's <laughs> going on there? Well, that's good to know that everything worked out okay for Rudy. Yeah, yeah, he, he's doing well for himself. And I'm sure it eats him up inside every time he sees his brother doing anything mm. in wrestling. It seems really backward the way that they do the list. It's only 25 names, yeah. and it's a one single A4 piece of paper, and like hundreds of people surely Big John should have just said the 25 names yeah and Big John comes out he's like I want to thank all of you who've come out here today especially those of you who quit your jobs (laughs) you idiots and then yeah the trash lady shows up and she Alicia she's like I'm sorry bro I didn't know we had to be here to like I mean I know you said 11 but I'm like (laughs) <laughs> I fucking hate her I was waiting for her to get sick I'm, I'm just waiting for her to get sick And it is known that she's Not turned up on time Yeah. Oh yeah that gets around Yeah. So it's time for physicals and interviews With the top 25 Basically finding out who's not entertaining enough Who's not broken enough And who's on the gas Yeah. Mm-hmm. The producers discussions That they're having are all very cringe. Yeah. There is very much an end of the table that's the MTV producers and then there's Big John, Kevin Dudd and JR shitting on 
everything. Kevin Dunn has got such big Greg Turkington energy where it's like, oh, I may not be creative or talented in my own right, but I'll gladly sit here and quietly pick on everyone else. Like, he defends Alicia being late, saying, like, well, if she's going to have to wade through a load of people, why, why shouldn't she come up late? I would have done the exact same thing. Put a three. <laughs> so, it's so strange because you yeah. know, he, Alicia Fox is like his fave wrestler. Yeah. She apparently stayed in the company for ages, mm. even though Alicia Fox has had some very, very public, you know, issues, let's just say. And Kevin Dunn has apparently always had a soft spot for her. Maybe, I don't know, very unreliable. He likes, he likes people called Alicia. Yeah, who have got serious issues with yeah. drinking, it seems. Yeah. It's just the one fucking nice thing he had to say in this whole episode, and he was agreeing with the heel character. <laughs> like. uh, and you know what I would love to see? Just live on Raw, you hit the music, and Kevin Dunn just has to make an entrance. Mm. It's like to Sh- see show him us how it's done, big man. Like Clapping mm. for himself. Yeah. I just want to see it. I don't want to see JR talking about what would make good television when he's putting people through. Saying mm. it's going to be fun to push this guy, yeah, make great TV. I don't want to hear Jr. doing that. Yeah, you know what? I there's so many bits about wrestling, the behind the scenes part that I am so interested by. Wrestling with Shadows, which we did a commentary track on way, way back in the day. The little bits where you get to see Patterson putting together a match with someone, you know, with someone like Bret Hart or whoever who knows how to wrestle. It's just them kind of collaboratively putting together the, the logic of the story. I love seeing that, but this is too much like seeing the sausage get made. I yeah. don't, I don't want to see those conversations that have to happen like i mean i'm sure it's inevitable producers have discussions and sometimes the contents of them are going to be less than uh they're not for public ears they are not it was actually kind of shocking that they left that in the cut like mm. yeah i don't know there was kind of like the fact that everyone was just like you know pulling labels off beer bottles and looked like they were about to keel over and collapse they didn't even look like they knew they were on camera it felt like yeah. So, it's time for some head-to-head camera interviews. Oh, dear. Fuck me. Now, we've had, already had jumping in the pool and pouring hot coffee on yourself and, you know, all this stuff. Bark like a dog. That's pretty embarrassing. Bark like a dog. And Annie, who's the powerlifting all-American athlete, is there going, woof, 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 woof. Yeah. Embarrassed smile on her face. The worst of this is that they pick the fucking, the one girl, the one that was 19 and cried. The real tragic story. The one that looks like she's about fucking 12. She's so young. And they're like, you, you would pretend to come on camera? Well, she said she had been in like, oh, I've done some pretty wild things in college. She won an like... orgasm competition in Cancun. Mm. Okay, that is literally a story you tell after you come back from fucking camp you yeah. know in summer well what did you do oh yeah I was at language college in, uh, in Fermanagh and uh, I was in an orgasm contest <laughs> uh, yeah it was pretty wild actually can you can you pretend to do an orgasm now uh, absolutely oh ah uh... She's got this look in her eye the whole time, like, is that enough? Can I, can I stop? No, nope. uh, more. more. Okay, okay we'll keep doing this. Oh, uh... You're cut! Oh. Now, this may be a bit of a deep cut. People who aren't deep cut fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer might want to take a step to one side. But in Buffy, where they inevitably did have a sex scene, at the end of it, Buffy just turned around to her boyfriend and went, I'm pleasantly numb. And if <laughs> it feels like the orgasm that was given here is the one that is, proceeds, I'm pleasantly numb. If your partner tells you that they're pleasantly numb after your encounter, you might want to have a bit of a debrief afterwards. Mm, Just yeah. kind of maybe a bit of a problem solving session. See if you can kind of free ball and figure out what's going on. Uh oh, it's Taz. Yeah. We're going out to the desert. To learn how to really run like a true tough enough warrior. 
So they're out to the desert then. He's going to punk out that punk. Yeah, immediately goes after the lad who's knocked him in his in his promo. He made a big mistake, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. There's no muddy rocks here in the no. desert, so how are we going to break these boys and girls? It's a three-mile uphill run in you, the hot Nevada sun. And you got to carry these rock bags full of heavy rocks. Yeah, each one, there's a bag, for, a specific bag for every person because it contains 15% of their own body weight. Yeah. I mean, I fucking hate running. I yeah. hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I've never been a point in my life where running has been anything other than an unpleasant experience. But fucking hell, running with a backpack, I can't think of anything more. The chafing. The, the, mm. You see some of the bags are open and they're kind of pulling them down yeah. and they're wobbling all over the place. It looks like absolute hell. Say nothing of the fact that they're in the desert. I wanted the Broken Skull Challenge, you know, the weather in the bottom left corner to find out how hot <laughs> it was. But it looked hot as goddamn hell. Which was even funnier that right at the end when people are like barely crawling across the finish line, big John Gaborik just walks through the finish line like, hey guys, you know. We get another fucking big speech. This is He's done like three in this one episode and he did it a lot in the last season as well where he's like, yeah, I know all these other guys are tough but you can trust me. He's like, all of you have done so well to be here today. It's just honestly, he keeps doing this thing where it's like, I think he wants everyone to think like, oh, that big has got a heart of gold. And maybe I'll give him a hug before I leave. Yeah. Big like... John Gaborik, more like Big Heart Gaborik, am I right? <laughs> I'm not just talking about his enlarged heart. <laughs> and if any of you girls want to leave your number, no. oh. feel free to do that. I'm a nice guy. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I just remember last year when one of the women left and he was like, I want to thank you for everything you've yeah, brought Paulina. to this. Yeah, it was Paulina. Like he he was... just took Paulina aside. He'd never done it with anyone else. Really creepy. I'm planting seeds. <laughs> uh. So Taz on a big rock announces... The Unlucky 13. Who have we got, Billy? Okay, so Aaron Lewis, Alicia Martin, Annie King, Shad, Hawk Youngkins is his name. That's a cracking name. Youngkins. Youngkins. I'm just going into Youngkins to get some burritos. <laughs> Jackie Gader, Jake Sokoloff, Jesse Ward, Kenny Lane, Linda Miles, Matt Morgan, Pete Tornator, or Tornatore, I'm guessing, and Robert Savalet. So, okay, we do have, of course, Danny, who... Had a bit of a Daniel Bryan in the Wrestling Road Diaries vibe from you. Nice, clean-cut young man who was just had a really good attitude. Yeah. He understood his shortcomings. Yeah. Very. He knew that he wasn't the biggest guy. I, I didn't say it, but I think the fact that he had red hair was 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 something that was big on the producers' minds yeah. because there was another person who had red hair. And God, you can't have two men with red hair. Oh no, yeah. absolutely and not. And he like, also came first in the race. He did. Yeah, yeah. he smashed it mm. to the point where he said afterwards, like, "I think I kind of convinced myself because I came first and by a good stretch." That I had a better than average yeah. chance of getting through. And he gets cut and he's fucking miserable at yeah. the end here. So, that's episode one. Let's move on to episode number two. Tough Enough Continues. We have got a nice new house. But because it is in Los Angeles and has not got a history with the Underground Railroads... There is no speech and therefore no need to respect the house. Yeah. No. Got a massive pool. Imagine all the women you can drown in Honestly. there. Honestly. <laughs> my first thought seeing all that body of water. Like, <laughs> binders and binders of women in that pool. Like. The ghost of Christian Chris lurks out from underneath the surface. Like. What lies beneath that? <laughs> Yikes. Too cold. 
So there's a lot of jean shorts and discmans because it's 2002, baby! Get a load of our large geometric art and hanging wall pieces. It's so wacky looking, like... It will not be tough enough without an inevitable cut from someone who is obviously the stud in the pack. Yeah. Shad Gaspard is not going to be in season two of Tough Enough. No, he failed his physical. Now, last season, we were very quick to be like, ah... Yeah. yeah, You know, we, we, we know what's going on here. Like, mm. do we think that Shad was on the juice? I mean, his body, his body was like, I would say suspiciously, but I mean, he was on the, the, the upper end of cut to fuck. I feel like, I don't, this is just purely speculating, but I feel like they would say something like, Shad had a medical issue and he can't compete because of that. When they say it as cloaked as didn't pass the physical, to me that normally means something was flagged up in the blood. Yeah. So as in he failed the drug test. That's what I think. Recreational yeah. or otherwise. I did try to find out and I couldn't no. find out Never anything. find out in a million years. Uh, yeah. He might, t- if you if you tweeted at him, he's, he's quite active on Twitter. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, Shad. Uh, <laughs> yo, Shad. D- d- this is not like the time we asked all of you to say thank you to the Blue Mania. This is, this is different. Do not ask Shad. <laughs> Do not ask Shad why he failed his physical, okay? He's a, he's a big boy. So, Shad is out, but Danny's here, though, as a replacement. Yeah. Hey. He is wild and young. That bad house green screen, though, when people are doing the cutaway interviews. Fuck me. How did they fuck that up so bad? What the, it's so bushly. Why is it so bad? It's like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids style outline around them. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. Like, yeah, I, I was really, really underwhelmed. It reminded me of Legends House just because it was like bad green screen with palm trees in the background. Linda immediately says that Jessie's a rat. Yeah, she's yeah, mean. She's small like a little rat. Yikes. Nicer um, ways you could have said someone's small. Yeah, also there's ways that you can call your female colleagues that aren't the like one of two words that are used to disparage women in wrestling. That's true, yeah. that's true. Alicia's really excited that she gets to go in the top bunk. Yeah. That's what she's most excited about. I hate the top bunk. I mean, As someone who formerly had a bunk bed. Top bunk is the worst. Why is the top bunk worse, Bill? Because the ceiling, well, at least for, for in my house, it's too close to the ceiling, mate. Wake up with a fright in the night, you're getting your head through the ceiling. Oh dear. And that has happened. I, I have put my head through my parents' ceiling and from waking you, up. <laughs> and when you get that feeling, you want to <laughs> sleep away from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> so we have not got tracks because we're not in gritty Connecticut. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I don't like us retconning it to be, yay, sun and beach. Yeah, this is like lazy Because they still say it's tracks. Yeah, it's tracks west Tracks west. But I'm sorry, but WWE have not got a west coast presence in 2002. This feels like they're too far away. The fact that they were literally in the shadow of of Titan Towers, it meant a lot to me. I don't know why, it just did. Well, because it was a chance that, oh, Stephanie could show up because she's just around the corner. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel like there's going to be a live hookup in Triple H's office to uh, no. to Tracks West. I, I like the idea of, the, of flying them LA to Connecticut every day just to go to training. <laughs> yeah, no. We're getting ready for life on the road though, Bill. Yeah. Bob, Al, Ivory and Chavo are all there to be trainers. Chavo, who did the all the wrestling coordination on GLOW, I believe. Did he really? Yeah, so Chavo, uh, he'd, he'd be a good good hand to have you trained, mm. I'd say. So far, he seems like the most level-headed trainer yeah. out of all of them. Like He's yeah. not there to prove anything or to pick on anyone. He just wants to train some people. Like So, first things first, got a bunch of green young rookies, so everyone has to do some forward rolls. And I will say, 
even though there was a lot of scary moments still in this montage, inevitably there's going to be, the standard was much higher this yeah. year in terms of people not immediately giving themselves concussions. Yes, much better so far. I mean, this is going to sound really fucking naive. I've never done wrestling training. I don't suppose I could ever do wrestling training. I know I physically and mentally do not have what it takes. Even if I was younger, I would never have had what it takes. You know, I couldn't do it. But, like, the forward roll. I mean, I don't know about you. I spent most of my childhood rolling. I love rolling. Downhills, yeah. rolling, rolling, rolling down the line. This is less of a roll, though, and more like taking it on your back, though, right? You like... had to forward roll, though. Yeah, yeah. But I used to do that all the time, like a bouncy castle or a trampoline. Obviously, I mean, you've not got the, the springiness to, to get the elevation on, but it's the same <laughs> principle as doing flips on a, a trampoline or something. You say, yeah, you say that, you try doing it with Bob Holly staring holes in the back of your head, though. Like I, I just I love a good roll. Like, honestly, the thing I miss most about being an adult is not having an excuse just to roll constantly. Yeah. Maybe I should get into wrestling just so I could start <laughs> rolling. Even in No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000, I would constantly be tapping the oar so I could do the roll, roll, roll. <laughs> One time, the best roll ever, when I was in Phoenix Park in Dublin and where the Pope visited in the 70s, there's this massive big crucifix. Like, it's huge. It's so fucking big. It's bigger than the biggest building in the world. And, <laughs> and, and, and I climbed up the hill. You've got this big, big, tall hill. I don't know why. I was like, I wanted to climb up the hill just to see the, the, the base of the cross. Because I'd heard a story that sometimes if you were bad, someone would hang you on that cross. <laughs> I wanted to see if it was true. And then I looked up. And I'd, I'd never had vertigo before in my life. Mm. But I looked up and immediately, I don't know if it was just the power of Christ. But <laughs> I was like, no, Jesus Christ, no. And then I just rolled back. I, I just fell and then rolled backwards down the hill. like Just because the power of Christ. Was it was too much. Powerful. Made me the man I am today. Like good standard this year. Alicia though looks like when every second roll she's gonna fucking hurl chunks. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Not that good sick as well. I'm talking about that sick that looked like it'd come out of either end. That that liquor sick yeah. that she got inside of her. You saying the thing is you saying about these forward rolls and this is what I see myself doing is these people here where it's like Annie she's struggling to do this front bump and overthinking forward. it is it overthinking it and the more times people say no all you have to do is lift your leg like this the heart like that time William Regal got so furious about people not stepping forward with their left foot obviously they weren't doing it on purpose to piss him off are you saying it's, he was out of line Adam I think he went a little too far that yeah. day Kevin you gotta like, fucking lamp him are you I think we should cancel William Regal <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think the more pressure you put on yourself to do something simple like step forward with your left foot the harder it is to get out of the autopilot of doing the wrong thing like, yeah no it's, it's very true like you know in wrestling particularly the WWE style where it is the comeback which is bump up bump, you, yeah. you, you bump over and over and over again mm. like that it's it's a higher number of bumps in a short space of time you literally can't think about it yeah like when you're running you can't think i better put the left foot forward yes. now the right foot now the left yeah. foot you know i don't know if you ever done like couch to 5k or anything and they're like think about it like this every second step you should be taking a breath or every time you're running if someone on the other side saw you and they were in a hedge they wouldn't be able to tell if you're running or walking and no i'm not thinking what i'm doing yeah this. i will think Oh my God, I'm running. That's it. <laughs> so back at the house, everybody dies. Oh my God. Day one and they are all broken. And Annie and Jesse have what I could best describe as... See, I, you guys don't... I don't know if you have this because in Ireland, language college is just like a big part of summer. Like you go to the Gael talk to speak Irish for a month. 
or they go to, to somewhere to multi-farnham to speak german for a yeah. month oh yeah, did you have that no nah, not, nah, really. not really a thing so yeah Annie and Jesse have what I call a language college friendship. And it could be any, it could be a Gueltag, it could be French, it could be German, it could be Spanish. I've known you for three days. <laughs> and I already know you more than my own mother and father. And when we leave here, I will die before I don't see you every fucking day for the rest of my life. Ah, they, they immediately have this like unbreakable bond forged out of nowhere yeah what the f- they're like we, we we know each other we yeah. can read each other's minds i think we're related they're like holding hands and cuddled up like friends that have been together for years like joe was convinced that they were in love i got the feeling there was that- a couple of longing looks in the eye mm. i think jesse maybe fancies annie possibly and now aaron has decided to ring up his girlfriend like hey uh i'm in tough enough <laughs> Yeah. It's like, where have you been the last yeah. week? I was in Las Vegas, baby. Now yeah. I'm in LA. Because <laughs> he's been talking about how you know he's it's again just like we had in season one. I'm with this girl, absolutely love, gonna spend the rest of my life with her. Yep. How long have you been together? About a year. Want to get married and start a family? Yeah. We are wild and young. <laughs> we got like a promo package from him in the first episode mm. where he talks about his girlfriend. You see them like walking together on a beach, and he's like. I love her so much. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. But, uh, you know, I can be a little bit naughty sometimes. He, like, he basically oh implies, like, <laughs> I'm looking to cheat on her during this experience. Like, he turned heel during the audition process. That's what's happened there. She gives him what for on this phone call. Yeah. It's basically like, it's it's the con- it's the contest for me. Yeah. And he's like, well, can we come to a kind of a middle ground, something like that? And, you know, so I'm just giving him the default tough enough contestant yeah. voice, which is like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly less confident AJ Styles. Yeah. Like, I'm not really sure, but I know the earth is flat, man. I, <laughs> I don't really know why. I've not read any of the memes. But, like, he's there kind of go, well, can't we come to kind of like, you know, compromise? Like, okay, compromise how? And he's like, well, what if I was to do the competition? And then we stay boyfriend and girlfriend. And she's like, that, that is literally not a compromise. <laughs> yeah. That is you getting what you want. Yeah. That, that's not, yeah. do you know what compromise is? He's like, well, shh, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm giving, I'm giving a lot here. You know? <laughs> she says that like, she's just moved to Virginia to be with him <laughs> because he told her that he wants to start a family and get married as soon as. And he's run off immediately and wants to jump into a career where he will just never see her again. All I'll say, I'm in my 30s now, so I'm allowed to give sage advice to my cohorts, comrades and colleagues. But if someone asks you to move across you know, a stretch of land, country, whatever it is, just give it a good old kick at the tyres, all right? Just <laughs> seriously think mm. about that. Because I know, I, uh, you know, there, there's no more unhappy a breakup than the breakup that happens after someone has changed their life yep. for you. Yeah. You know, oh my God. Not saying I've done that, by the way. I'm just saying I've seen it happen. There are enough people that have done that. It's like. fucking unpleasant. And yeah, I can't believe this has happened again on Tough Enough. Yeah. And he's got this fucking face where he's just like, huh? It's the WWF, darling. Like, thank you very much. I should be here. Did she even know he was going? Like? Doesn't sound like it. I-, I just love how we're two seasons in and no one can seem to break the cycle of tough enough. Yeah. I feel like someone's inevitably going to have smelly shorts next. Yeah. <laughs> Fireman Jake is all business and I empathize with him greatly. He's kind of like Josh last season in that 
He wants people to take this seriously. Yep. Mm. And how is he doing this? He's pulling faces at Jessie because she's too happy and too smiley. So he's trying to be like, get mean, get in the character. And actually, I, you know, at first, because he's a guy with a stupid haircut and he's a big muscly dude. He's I was a bit ready, aggressive. Like. I was ready for him to be an aggressive shithead. But honestly, he is kind of fun and he is doing this for other people's benefit. I like, 100% got why he was doing this and yeah. I was like yes do this I actually I was thinking the fact that you're doing this and Al Snow's not doing this yeah, every yeah. day because like I don't know if you've noticed it or not but like in wrestling if someone can't do the long stare right in the yeah. eyes you think of all the great performers it's all in the fucking Absolutely. eyes you know? it's acting and I think yeah. people forget that it's acting mm-hmm. yeah and you know people have different methods to how they arrive there some people lose themselves in it some people are consciously acting and being mm. this character you know like Adam Cole for instance you know he's he's very interesting to hear talk about you know his character because he's like not like that at all in real life and mm. he's like look I'm not like that this isn't me with the volume turned up or a part of me turned up this is a character yeah I've thought about this character I know what this character would do and how he'd react and I do that performance it's not like Terry Funk where he's like literally in his book he's like I do not know why I headed the people of Sacramento on that night but I wanted to kill every one of them in their beds. <laughs> <you know? Jesus. laughs> it's just the way it was. So yeah, Jake is trying to get people to be serious, but even after the first day of training, I don't think people are taking this seriously. No. Not enough. Lockup training, and Jesse, surprise, surprise, is giddy as fuck. Yeah. I've seen some wrestling shows where there's been big smiles when people are locking up, and I don't like it. I do think this is nerves, though. She does try to explain it that, like, sometimes when I'm in a high-pressure situation, I just start laughing or I start smiling. It's like... what it isn't is 100% what Ivory accuses Exactly. Of this is so, like, a series of avoidable events here. Like, yep. everything happens. She's giddy when she's locking up. And, yeah, when you're giddy... That's that's the word. We had to stop this podcast all the fucking goddamn yeah. time because we laugh, you know, we're too giddy or whatever, and you need to calm it down. You know, we're not trying to put on a wrestling show. We're just recording some audio, so I get the giddiness. But yeah, what's Ivory's intervention I, I, here? Ivory accuses her because because they're doing intergender lockups. She's she accuses Jesse of smiling at the boys so like she can be a flirt and and throw her. Like sex appeal, yeah, like. throw a sex appeal and body at, at the guys, mm-hmm. and Jesse hears that, immediately has to go to the bathroom, breaks down in tears, and more or less says straight away, "If that's what they think of me, I'm just gonna go." Yeah, like it, it revealed lots of things straight away. It revealed first and foremost, and I, I may be very harsh to say, but like I didn't think Jesse had the right mindset for it because wrestling particularly this route into wrestling mm. it will be criticism after criticism after will, criticism yeah. and no matter how good you think you are taking criticism it'll get to you like constant criticism is very difficult to deal with mm. you know it is hard and they're getting it a lot because this is a pressure cooker but the first bit of criticism and yeah it's misguided but like it's she falls to pieces yeah you know and like well fuck if you're having problems reacting mm. to this bit but i guess I feel for as well because Ivory, it was so was out of line. So off base. Really unfair of Ivory. And we didn't mention this, but on the previous night, we saw that Jesse has actually got a signed fucking picture of Ivory with like a yeah. paragraph of a quote. Ivory's her like, favourite wrestler. She's a big role model to her. And she comes out of nowhere with this fucking bullshit about her being sexy. Like. I, d- I don't get the smiling to be a sex appeal type That's of a thing. obviously not it. You could make out the like, oh, you're having fun when you should be being respectful right now. There's a lot of ways you could have told her off for smiling. She's not trying to be fucking sexy right now. No. She's nervous. Yeah, I, I think it's really... I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, Kelly Kelly might be the only character in wrestling where they've tried to get over the nervous smile as mm. being sexy, but generally speaking, they don't go that route in the WWE. I do think, like, now that you've pointed out a couple other things that Ivory has said, I reckon she maybe is trying to be one of the boys on the, the, yeah. the panel, like, mm. be mean and be mm. na- Especially with Bob there as well. Yeah, like. it feels like, unlike Tori, where it felt like she was bringing people kind of... The calming presence. Yeah, I, I, I like Ivory's there to stir the pot line. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because, obviously, like... Obviously, men know how to tear down other men. They haven't got anyone to tear down the women. Mm. So, and, and and Ivory knows as a woman, saying these kind of things will, will really hurt a woman's feelings. At least Jacqueline's criticisms last season were always based in reality and yeah. facts. Though, and she was like, very actually, if anything, Jackie was a bit too soft at yeah. points. You she know? got very invested. But yeah, I don't want to rule out Ivory just yet. But everything I'm seeing so far, I am a bit shocked and somewhat disappointed. Yeah. Like this is not what I would have expected. Day two. Everyone's fucking miserable. Let's go to the beach. Yay! But unlike last season, we're going to the beach is like a one-off fun thing. The beach is basically where all the training is going to be happening because they live at the beach. Yep. We should point out as well that Aaron tells the camera he's written a Dear John for his girlfriend. <laughs> They're breaking up. He's, <laughs> dear John? He's written, he's written her a letter and he said, we're breaking up. I'm yep. choosing wrestling over her. That's important. I think uh, he wrote just like the Hardy Boys. We're breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at the beach, and this is very early in the anime for the beach episode, but whatever. Yeah. In the beach, they've got what I've called a prototype skullbuster. Yep. Yeah. And there's many restart elements and many gateways to your final destination. The skullbuster. The big boy from Chicago says he's got no beaches in Chicago. Hence, he can't do push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Why don't you just sit this one out, fellow? I only in the last two years have finally been able to do push-ups mm. because my entire life I've been terrified of doing push-ups because back when I was in the old Catholic boarding school, back when I was maybe 12 or 13 years old, we made do push-ups in rugby training. That was mandatory. And our trainer, a man from Northern Ireland who had a very severe Northern Irish accent. He was a very nice guy, but if he got upset, he would go, Study has started! And he'd be, oh shit, shit's going down. And he stood over me once because he knew I couldn't do push-ups. And he decided to motivate me, he would start shouting. So he started shouting, keep your arms straight! And I didn't know if he meant my arms or my arse. So I then tried to do push-ups with both my arms entirely straight and my backside entirely straight. Now, as we all know, in the push-up, the bending of the arm is quite important. Yeah, someone's got to give. Which basically meant that I had around 20 years of traumatised non-push-ups in my system. Mm. So I understand that the push-up can be a bit of a barrier to entry if you're a big boy like the man from Chi-Town here. I mean, I think this whole obstacle course could be a barrier to entry for someone that's not in complete physical condition. Yeah. Yeah. The guy says, this is a level 10 workout designed for seasoned athletes. Well, some of them are seasoned athletes. Yes, some of them are. Linda, Jake, Annie... I mean, I would have thought Aaron, but uh, Aaron, he beefs us. Yeah. He fucking beefaronies it. He really fucking goes hard here. He's a big fuck up. He goes too hard. And then there's a bit where, like, there's one obstacle where all you have to do is, like, jump from a step onto a higher step. It's, like, maybe a foot, foot and a half. Maybe. And obviously, you know, if, you're, if your quads are blasted... That's going to be tough. You've got to stand it off. But I, I know it, that's easier said than done. Yeah. But it was very obvious that this was more than just 
He's tired. Typical exhaustion, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if at this point he'd alluded to having done something. Oh, no, they explain later. Yeah, because uh, he passes out. Medic! There's a bit where, like, you just see him struggling and it's like, oh, okay. And then you hear someone say, oh, my God, he passed out. And they cut to him on the floor, passed out, and he... He literally looks like a corpse. Like yeah. his his skin has All gone green. Gone. Yeah. Like it's horrifying. And then Steve Austin's like, "This beach obstacle course done chewed you up." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we end on a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, end, end of episode. End on a, end on an ambulance going away from the beach. <laughs> episode three didn't eat breakfast. He also had a Jurassic, mm. which was a stupid idea. He's yeah, basically why? pumping himself full of caffeine, thinks he's going to give himself a buzz. All he did was massively dehydrate himself, given the fact that he was resting, he was training on the beach as well. It was probably harder than he was used to. So yeah, dumb. Real dumb. It wasn't just a Jurassic, but apparently it was like a really dangerous, not recommended one. Like he said like, oh, it was a really bad one. It scares me in America some of the stuff you can get over the counter sometimes. Yeah. Honestly, whenever I watch Raw and the American adverts come on and it's like, are you struggling with diabetes? Why not go to Walmart and get this kind of crazy medicine? Have you ever thought of having chemotherapy, even if you don't have cancer? Jeez. Studies have shown that chemotherapy could be right for you. Ask your doctor or pharmacist now and find out if chemotherapy yeah. is right for you. God. I just all the side symptoms may include exploding hearts and stuff like, <laughs> like, like you, you will combust side effects may include goblins ghouls and witches <laughs> they're back in tracks west bob holly in an apa shirt is one of the signs of the apocalypse yeah i i want a storyline you know like tna took over the apa i want a storyline where the holly cousins took over the apa <laughs> would have been much better would have been great Everyone's doing push-ups. Uh, everyone's having difficulty. Everyone's in a lot of pain. Robbie cannot bump yeah. at all here. We find out at this point that Bob has got a particular soft spot for Hawk. Soft yeah. spot's an interesting one there. Soft spot in the sense that this is how Bob shows affection. I think the only reason he picks on this kid is because he likes him. So are you saying that he's got a Helga Arnold kind of yeah. vibe? Move it, football head! He's, he's just a horrible man. And he just keeps like... <laughs> He keeps shouting at this one kid and like standing over him and bullying him. I don't know how to tell you I like you. Who cares? <laughs> and then he goes in and he's got his, his shrine <laughs> chewing gum like, you know, and no one must know like, you know. One day we'll be Hulk friends. <laughs> <laughs> the house is being disrespected on top of everything else, guys. They've got ants in the pants. Oh. Fucking gross. There's just garbage everywhere and ants all over the place. They like, needed a big chat from Big John. We're on day four or something here. <laughs> like, come on. So is this basically it? Is that if slaves aren't run through a house and the house is of historical significance, you will live like actual pigs. Yeah, who mm. gives a fuck? Linda is all business here. And I fucking... This, honestly, Linda would be me in this situation. Mm. I think they're setting it up where you're like, can you believe Linda? She's having a pop of them for there being ants over here. What a lameazoid. You know, let's just eat ants. What's the problem, like, you know? They're cool. Have you seen ants? Woody <laughs> Allen? I mean, come on. So, yeah, I find myself sympathizing with Linda here because she's like, you guys don't fucking clean up at all. Yeah. I clean up my stuff. And they're like, you haven't cleaned up. Like, I've cleaned up your shit. That's one of those things that's aged in any TV show from the late 90s or early 2000s. The person that was nagging has now just become extremely relatable yeah. over time. Mm. Like, hey, clean up after yourselves. Not really a lot to ask. Pretty straightforward, right? Pete, Jesse, Annie all have cutaways talking about how much they hate Linda. Yep. It's just... 
<laughs> I was watching with Joe, and Joe was like, they're all so racist. She was like, immediately the alarm bells are ringing because we watch a lot of reality shows yeah. where people gang up on, like, you know, one of the few people of colour or whatnot. A lot. Like, this year's Love Island in England was like, that was a major problem. It's, it's almost every reality show has this problem. Like, Alan like, Sugar, like, basically just cuts all of the people who aren't white from The Apprentice in the first three weeks. Like, that's what's you happened know? this year, like. I think a lot of it is down to the editing and obviously the fact that they show kind of one person being complained and they show big groups of people talking about them yeah. and whispering mm. and conspiring. That's a bad look. That just, again, it just brought up a lot of Big Brother vibes and all that, mm. kind of people ganging up on other people. But I will also say as well, Linda is a fucking force in nature who I don't think these people expected that there would be someone who was remotely strict or remotely, like, kind of... I don't know. How would you describe how Linda's coming across here? Abrasive. Like, I... I, she, I there is an element of it, I right? think this is kind of gross and mean, the way that they're editing it and making everyone pile on her. But at the same time, she is, like... I don't think she's horrible or nasty, just that her social skills are a little blunt, maybe. like Yeah. She's, they're showing as well, but obviously you can't tell how real or not it is. She's been a bit snug. Oh, when yeah. They do the in the train in, the ring, in yeah. the ring. She's been a bit snug. But no, I think in the, in the bits we've seen so far with her, I will say, snug or not, she looks really impressive. She's looking capable. Yeah. You know, the rest of them aren't looking capable. She's just maybe being a bit too capable. She looks like a wrestler. I love the yeah. fact that one of them went, she's so domineering. I'm like, give it a year, she literally has a dominatrix gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> the Basham Brothers and Shaniqua. Yeah, that shit's domineering, guys. They changed her name to Shaniqua. They sure did. Linda, oh no. We've already got one Linda in the company, mate. Ain't no one gonna replace the top dog Linda McMahon. So, they're in the ring now with the train as opposed to each other they're locking up they're doing like one-on-one -on -one. they're not doing matches they're just doing sequences and drills with the trainers and bob nearly kills jake and then does kill hawk yep yeah so the previous day when they were leaving tracks aaron shouted from the car because aaron's a little piece of shit yep aaron shouted my girlfriend's <laughs> dumped me <laughs> he shouts we'll miss you bob and when bob looks up at the car he just says it was hawk and hawk's like no it wasn't it wasn't me and you can tell by the way Hawk's reacting that, like, he doesn't like this. Yeah. This isn't a fun little relationship with no. him. It's not like Al and Josh from last year where it's like, you little scam. This is like, yeah. oh, no, don't tell him it was me. Oh, he's going to pick on me now. He doesn't like this. Yeah. Stirring the pot is Aaron like, you know. Uh, Hawk gets taught a lesson he didn't need to learn from yep. Bob. And the, the lesson was, don't you ever say goodbye to me again. Or don't what, don't, what don't you say you'll miss me. You little shithead. <laughs> Bob. Ah. Uh, and you know what this is? This is before he reconnected on Facebook. With his, uh, oh yeah, he got no love in his heart at this point no in time. Got no love in his heart. He'd not met his love. He'd not met the love of his life. He'd not started playing iRacing racing with his friends on his computer. Like mm. things will get better for Bob Wonder. This is honestly just showing that Bob does not know how to like handle affection. Yeah, at all. <laughs> and, he, and, he, Bob does not understand it. And Bob. Like, you know, if, if Linda is domineering and abrasive, then Bob is out on a whole other level. And for them to make out that this is somehow going to be a barrier to entry in the wrestling business for Linda, you got to know your worth and stick up for yourself. If anything, this is a, quite a boon that Linda is at this point, Honestly. you know? Who's going to come and give everyone a bit of a chat about the ups and downs and life and times of the World Wrestling Federation as a traveling superstar in the midst of a valley in his storied career, yeah. it's Big Show Paul Weiss. He wrestles Lil Jesse. It's so funny. It is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Linda's in there doing pro stuff. And Big Show has a 
pretty good story to tell them. And it's actually, you know, it's much different. Yeah, I thought he was going to come in here like, you there, big guy in the back. <laughs> you had, uh, you've been doing them final cuts. Yeah, big fucking deal. On <laughs> the big show, I know what a big deal is. He's more like Kurt Angle from last year, where he's honest. like, I acknowledge how I got into the industry is quite similar to you. I got the advantage and the upper hand. He's like, like my first match. Uh, did you guys know this about Big Show? Yes. Yeah. First match, World Heavyweight Championship. He's like 20 years old. He beats Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, he's he's the son of Andre the Giant. They give him all the praise in the world. He's chain smoking, eating you know donuts, living his life. You know, he's he is literally the worst combination of factors of yeah. ego in wrestling. He's physically gifted. He's politically chosen. He's, you know, he's in his 20s so he can eat what he wants, do what he wants. Yeah. Mm. He's got no discipline. And, you know, he's said, like, yeah, they sent me to OVW. You know, because he's like, what was I like, Bob, when I first came to the WWF? He's like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, what were you like then? You're an even bigger asshole back then. Yeah. <laughs> and Big Show's like, yeah, OVW. I thought I'd be down there for, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. Now you're going to be main event the fucking fairgrounds, mate, which yeah. I like that he's talking so openly about yeah. it. Like he, even at first, he didn't take OVW seriously. He thought he'd be there for like a little vacation and get in shape. Yeah. Like. And then Linda's like, "I guess I've learned my lesson. I gotta be more humble. Yeah, yeah you gotta learn to eat shit and like the like the taste of it. Plates, plates, <laughs> plates. You know, when you're a top guy, everyone's got a loaded handgun." And everyone's got the plates of shit to put in. <laughs> <laughs> Matt also says that uh, Big Show took him aside at one point to show him some specific moves he can do as a big man. That's good nice. of him to do that. So yeah. he takes Matt aside to, to, to show him a couple of things. He says, I know there's some things that you're going to learn here you're not going to be able to do because of your size. So you can do this instead. The, the, the real interesting thing about this season, if you compare, you know, Robbie's the big guy this season. Daryl was the big guy last mm. season. I think we can say in terms of attitude, look, and actual skill and ability, Robbie vastly, I think, outweighs Daryl in terms yes. of, of having something or having it. And I feel this season, like last season, it was like, Daryl, you can't do jumping jacks. Daryl, you can't run a three mile, 3K run. What's wrong with you? You're cut. Whereas this time, at least, it feels like, you know, a few times they say, well, look, look, Robbie, he's a bigger guy for his size. They were like, you know, after the beach workout, yep. like he's doing actually well for his size. And he's trying. He's trying. You know, he Bob's is. in his face all the time, but they, they are giving him the benefit of the day. Yep. And the fact that Big Show's here teaching him, you know, this is how you work like a big man. It is a little bit sad then that immediately Robbie... It's cutting to camera saying, like, I want out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't have it in me. It's yeah. really sad because he was so I don't confident. Want, I don't want to drop out. I want. I, it's, I prefer to be cut than drop yes. out. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And of course, they're all introduced to their own chairs that they'll be getting. Ooh. Ah, I love the smell of tombstones in the morning. <laughs> he didn't say it. He didn't. He came so close. You know, he was fucking desperate to say it. And the MTV guys probably had to step in and be like, we're not having this again, Al. Like, yeah. You can use the chairs, but don't you say the T-word. I'm like, holding out for a Tombstone reference. Uh, I really no, think I think so. we will get one by the end of this. You reckon? Yeah. And uh, we've got all the chairs have actually got individuals' names on, so we can actually keep track of the chairs this time. Watch them still like, fuck they, it Like up. they couldn't last year. Oh, I thought it was going to be like, you know, the new network model that they do in 2019, where every fan gets a pay-per-view named after themselves. Streaming right now. Mm -hmm. Countless, endless wrestling. Forever. <laughs> 
Fuck these sandy workouts. Give me the mud and rocks of Stanford any day of the week. Get back mm. to the beach again. And this is already just repeating shit now. Like, like uh, you know, I mentioned running and stuff like that. When it's like a light drizzle or a bit of rain is actually really nice. Mm. Because as your body heats up, you can get cooled down. Kind of it is, it's good. You know, if you're working out when it's cold, you know, that that's good as well. When you're working out and it's hot and sandy, there's no nice way to work out on a beach. Nope. Fuck that shit. What you didn't see in Rocky 3 was afterwards Apollo Creed and Rocky all sand in their cracks and all yeah. it, it all just mm. sc- oh, horrible it was and uh, it's spitting it out and there was some in Carl Weathers' moustache. It was awful. No one should work out on the beach ever. Robbie is struggling and Big Show <laughs> I swear to God <laughs> as someone went back in time and just made our own special episode of this for us. Yeah. What happens here with the Big Show? Jesse comes up to him and is like, Big Show, to say thank you for everything, we want to give you a toolbox. And then Big Show just takes it and goes, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> it's the Big Show. <laughs> someone said, someone genuinely says it's, it could be your lunchbox as well. I mean, is that the joke? Is that why they gave it him? It's time to cut someone. All of the judges meet up, have a little chat kind of back in the in Tracks West. Who's who's hot? Who's not? Chavo with the rarest of rare sightings, the WCW Greed pay-per-view t-shirt. Whoa. I'm pretty sure all the cruiserweights were paid in Greed pay-per-view t-shirts when they were bought out of their deals by WWE. Robbie, Aaron, Linda, and Hawk are all flagged up as being potential cuts. Linda! Fuck off. Fuck me. They've got to say that just to make you think that anyone... Ivory does call her a drama queen. So what is it with Linda and the drama queen stuff then? So we, we, so we mentioned before that she's a bit snug. Mm. Yes. That she, she's, a bit, she's a bit rough, but that's... At this early in the stage, that's not a problem. At least she can actually do the work. Yeah. If, she couldn't, if she couldn't do the work and was being rough... That's another question, but she can do the work. Mm-hmm. And you know, snug is, is the is the word that Steve Austin uses, and he uses you know a lot of wrestlers use that as a positive word. If someone yeah. says you're yeah. snug, that's like oh, that means your stuff looks good, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you probably shouldn't be doing it on new people. Yeah, like. uh, but there's a moment where I don't know, you don't see the hit in particular, but you do see Linda rolling around on the floor holding her nose or holding her ribs and then she'll just jump up and be fine. Yep. Very much a soccer player doing a dive and Ivory points out, oh, it's, it's all well and good when you're you're being snug with everyone else. If you take a little bump, it's all suddenly a big a big thing, is it there? Yeah, yeah. see, I think it's getting to the point now because she probably reckons they're acting like that with her, that she's trying to make a point to them by overreacting when they hit her. Like, mm. see, look how stupid it is. But, like, it's just bad vibes all around. Yeah, it's childish. I think... Given that we're at season three, coming up to the first cut, and given how chaotic the first season was and how horrible a lot of it was, but it felt there was a much more of a sense of kinship and bonding, and it felt like that the house as a whole, even though Chris was obviously a bit of a, a heel in his own right, and Josh wasn't getting on with people, it felt that the bulk of people were getting on. Yeah. I don't know if I can say the same here. It feels like there's kind of bad vibes, particularly mm. with the women all kind of ganging up on Linda. I feel that... Jake is kind of being a bit of a loner as well. A le- less friendly this time around, is that safe to say? I feel like so far we've been having less of those moments of the people interacting in the house. We get yeah. shots of them on the phone to their loved ones and stuff, but there's been a lot less of the likes of, say, Matthew and Josh pissing around. Sorry, 
Josh and Maven pissing around together. Yeah. Or you're not, you're not seeing the bonding the stuff. Camaraderie. You're not seeing really people there. get drowned in a hot tub or anything. No, like. none of that good stuff. <laughs> so the house is definitely a lot less fun when it's raining as well. Mm. And that big pool looked great when it wasn't full of leaves, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to skim that shit. Al tells everyone to come to the tracks. They all sit down. And he gives them incredibly sexy, breathy advice. Goes right up to the face. What you're doing is really good. Your work rate in the ring is second to none. When you lock up, it's like the sun rising on a dark and stormy winter's night. I love you. I've always loved you. I never thought I could love again. So you're not cut, so you can sit down there. <laughs> this is how they do it. Al has yeah. to tell each and every one of them individually if they're cut or not. Yeah, like, sit down I don't like cut. it. Nope. You know? And he goes right up to Jesse. Stop fucking smiling. Please. <laughs> but Jesse's annoyed because Linda is told to sit down and didn't get criticised enough. Yeah. You know, like, when it's getting to that point now, it feels like, mm. right, everyone's out for each other's fucking blood. There's no mates here and tough enough. Nope. We're, this is sad to see, because the first season, it was like, this is when reality is kind of new. Mm-hmm. And it feels like now, it's like, people like reality TV, because they ain't here to make no friends. We like yeah. conflict and nothing more. Are we getting a darkest timeline season of tough enough? Mm, hopefully not this one I would like to think that season 2 is still early enough to be friendly and fun yeah I mean there was friendly and fun moments but there were some dark storm clouds that were gathering yeah. here towards the end particularly the first season you know you go out all together to look at the lockers if your tag is there it's a nice little wave just little tap saying Aww. that's it for you off you go not this like right in your face you are cut get down get out of here yep. you know? yeah. don't mm. say goodbye to them just leave Robbie is cut He's relieved. He's fucking relieved. He's yeah. got a big yeah. smile on his face. And then Aaron is cut as well. <laughs> Breaking up ain't easy. Yeah. So one of two things will have happened with Aaron here. Mm. So either he's broken up with his girlfriend, who he claims to have loved. Or he's going to have to run to the mail room and try and find that letter. Like. <laughs> but the other thing is, she's going to see this episode of TV where he says, yeah, I'm going to break up with her. I've chosen wrestling over her. And then he hasn't sent the letter. And then they're going to break up anyway. Oh, my fucking God. Right, so we've reached the end of episode three. We've had our first cut. We've introduced to the characters, the trainers. Things are set up. We will be doing three episode blocks of Tough Enough for this season. We'll continue to alternate between season four and Tough Enough as our little side dish along the way. Little bit of a change from the first season. The first season when we ended, we did kind of a, a roundup of where everyone is. Mm. I feel that happened because we didn't get actual cuts until like episode yeah. six. So this time around, when we have cuts, Adam is going to give us a little bit of a rundown about any updates, where they have been or yes. how their careers have, have, have unfolded. Ooh. So Aaron and Robbie, Adam, what happened with these guys? So I scoured the internet looking for updates on these two. The most info I could get on either of them came from the Pro Wrestling Wikia. Ah, yes. And this it has this to say about Robert. Robert Savile was a contestant on WWE Tough Enough Season 2. Aaron Lewis was a contestant on WWE Tough Enough Season 2. Wow! That's, that's all we have, I'm afraid, folks. Okay, I well... I cannot find anything about these two. What I will say is you're going to have to... To belt and brace this. That means you're going to have to extend the search to LinkedIn. Oh, God. Where shameful ex-wrestlers go yeah. to become legitimate again. So, if you have any information about the update of any of the eliminated contestants... Do send us in a tweet or a message on facebook.com slash Podcast 
or Twitter at AE Podcast. We've reached the end of our first three episodes of Tough Enough. Yeah. Before we wrap up here, did you guys watch the little next time on Tough Enough at the uh, end? I kept myself. I wanted to go in blind for the next okay. one. So what happened? What's our tease? It's hard to say because it was a very much a blur of lots of quick cuts. Mm. But I did see at one point a load of people in like a crowded room and they were all looking at something. With, well, like, like a cockfight. With, it looked like a cockfight. They were all like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 with dollar bills and shit. Like, it looks like they go to a fucking cockfight next time. Wrestling is often been compared to human cockfighting. So <laughs> we've bought all the cocks in this underground red hook cockfighting ring and you'll be in their place tonight. <laughs> Off you go. Did you have a good time watching Tough Enough Fellows? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, definitely. Good to be back. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Any predictions for how the season is going to pan out? I have not watched this season, I should say, through it ever. I, I know the outcome just because I was watching wrestling at the time, but I am not uh, really in tune to what happens along the way. I I thought from episode one it was going to be like, oh, well, there's uh, John Morrison and there's Miss Jackie. Those are the two winners. Yeah. So I guess I'll just watch what happens now. Yeah, yeah. And John Morrison didn't even get fucking picked. Yeah. Right? So... Honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm hoping we're going to get a lot more variety because first three episodes, we've already seen a lot of bumps and a lot of, let's go back to the beach again and do more yeah. push-ups. Let's like, go back to the beach and hate on each other some more. Yeah, like, so maybe know? the cockfight will like, shake it up a little bit. Are, like, you, are you anticipating a drag entry in this uh, season like I you last so. time? I hope so. I really hope so. Bill, any predictions for season two of Tough Enough as we roll down the line? Unlike last season, I knew who who won okay from the get go even without watching it, I knew who won just because uh, apart from Nidia I didn't, mm. I'd, I'd never heard of any of them but I knew Maven won this season I don't know who wins mm. um, the only presumption I can make is that Big Matt's going to get far because he had a career in WWE yeah as a stutterer and then went on to TNA mm. so I presume Matt's going to do well you've already told us that Linda's going to get there but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win well no. that's the thing I mean you look at this, and I've, I'm picking out like what four or five legitimate wrestlers from the lineup, you know, yeah. and that's not necessarily who wins. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who are in Tough Enough who went on to have very successful careers, and I think often case much more successful careers than those who won yeah. Tough Enough. Have you ever heard of a little someone called Ryback? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Ryback, you know, of reviewing burgers in his car thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think, uh, yes, I've got my eye on on Jake as well. Yeah. Mm. And Jake and Hawk Mm. are two guys I'm keeping my eye out on. Okay. Billy's picks. And then I'm looking into Annie as well. Okay. I have a feeling Annie's going to do well. All right. But I really don't know. Can I ask your fellas predictions for what wrestlers we're going to see on this season? Last time we had the likes of... Hardy Boys, Foley, Austin, a very Vince. disinterested Stone Cold. Well, we, had, we had like we had the the top tier of everyone: Stephanie McMahon, Pat Patterson, Triple yeah. H. Like I'm thinking, we're going to get mid lower level guys. And thinking that this has to, uh, we're looking at our post season three roster here. Yeah. Mm. So I'm thinking, I'd say like a Bubba Ray Dudley coming in. Yeah, you yeah. know, as a mid level toughie. You know, I think Edge might show up. Edge, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think Edge is injured around this time, isn't he? Oh, like, give him something to do then. In that case, like. yeah. So I think. We're going to see some more mid-level folks. Yeah. Maybe a Booker team might come down, you know. Did we have half-mask badass Kane at this point in time? No. With Rob Van Der... Oh, no. damn it. I would love to see him rock up a track like, hey guys, what's <laughs> going on? How about Undertaker? They want to see the dead man like, no. you know, r- riding that bike around the tra- track's rest, like, you know. 
So, what did you think? Let us know on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, leave an old rating or review. And if you've got someone in your life who might want to listen to three guys talk about the Attitude Era and beyond, give an old recommendation in person to the Attitude Era podcast. If you would like to see some video clips from our show, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast where you can see clips from classic episodes, current episodes, and even some clips from our Patreon content such as Smackdown Crawl. And Gamesmanship, the video review series of which you get access to all of over six episodes now available alongside over 50 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl. And you get all the bibliotech as well and whole lots of side ventures and little fun goose if you become a backer at page.com forward slash AE podcast. This podcast is 100,000% fan and listener supported. You want to support the show? Help it get made? Help Billy get in here to record more episodes? You can support on Patreon, but you will also get access to all of that content and you will get access to the Q&A episodes if you become a $10 backer and if you become a $20 backer, get access to all of our commentary tracks making massive saving. And as well, if you've got a project, a podcast, YouTube series, a Kickstarter, whatever it is you want our fan base to find out about and you want to sponsor the caption contest, you can do that. Head over to patreon.com slash podcast for any and all information and inquiries as always to attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com and if you want to support the podcast out and about in person at wrestling shows or just on the street you can get yourself a fabulous t-shirt from teespring.com forward slash ae podcast we have got lots of different designs in lots of different colors and sizes shipping worldwide and if you're a fine purveyor of stuff and things head on over to matthewsbotchamania.com if you think you're hard enough (laughs) or should i say tough enough Well, we're doing it the way it needs to be done. We will continue the Odyssey through Season 2 of Tough Enough. Until next time, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time on Tough Enough Season 2.